Crowhill here. Today we review an experimental ale and discuss popular psychology. Welcome to Beer and Conversation with Pigweed and Crowhill. Good evening, Pigweed. Well, good evening, Crowhill. So what's on your mind today? Well, I drive the Baltimore-Washington Parkway every single day, yeah. and almost every single day somebody's running into somebody else. Yes. That's just what we do now. I don't know if we've always done it, if it's, there's, it's more volume, or if there's just more <laughs> there's more people staring at their phones while driving. Probably. And uh, yeah. as you see, I've got a massive dent in the back of my car from yeah. I got hit about three weeks ago and hasn't been fixed yet. So, as I'm coming down today, on the, uh, I would say three out of five days where there is an accident, yeah. I'm looking over. It's a re very recent accident because people are just still starting to get out of their cars. And I go, you know what? I'm not stopping and I'm not calling. Somebody else can do that. Well, okay. Uh, really, I mean... What, the driver was by the side of the road and needed some help, and I couldn't tell. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to take a wild guess that the driver of that car was named Kitty Genovese. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, well, we'll get into that, old Kitty. Okay. So th this kind of has to do with the bystander effect. Oh, right? not that stupid bystander fake effect. But uh, I mean, a little, but a little bit, yeah. Because yeah. I'm, I'm going. There's plenty of us around. Uh, I'm not the only person who has a cell phone. And uh, I don't know CPR anyway, so if somebody's seriously injured, I'm not much help. Somebody else can handle this. Well, okay, all right. Well, let's let's talk about that a little further. But before we do that, <laughs> what in the I, H is this? Yes, I this this is. We were brewing a very strong ale a couple of weeks ago, and when you oh, this is old ale leftovers. No, no, it was sort of, sort of. So third we, runnings, a third runnings. So when you brew, <sighs> when you brew a stronger beer, use a lot more grain. And when you use a lot more grain, you you kind of feel like there's still something left in the grain that I'm not using, right? That's you, still in there. It's still in there. So sometimes, like typically when you do when you do a batch, you mash the grains and you, you uh, wash out the sugars and you put those into the beer to ferment the sugars to make your beer. But sometimes there's still some leftover sugars in those grains. So what we did... Was we said, small beer, isn't that what yeah, they called it back exactly, in the old days? Exactly. So what we we had this grain, and we said, dug on it. There's still something worthwhile in there. So we did a third running, got out the separate pot, separate and, pot, and just said, okay, let's just do an what experimental. Size who knows what the heck is what was. size batch did you it was do? Very with small. This it ended up being like just like a gallon and a half. <laughs> okay, but we we took the third runnings from a very Ooh. strong beer. And we took the backyard hops. Yes, from, from Longinus. Longinus. Longinus has you some know, backyard you know, hops. Yeah, of course, you don't know any scientific strength things that you plug into calculators exactly. or whatever like that. So yeah. we just stuck it in a sack and then did what? Put it in there for like the last ten minutes or something. Yeah, it was it was absolutely chaotic and not uh, just winging it. Just wing it to absolutely winging it. And the beauty of the, as we've discussed in the past, the beauty of the hobby. Is you know you can be as technical as you like, and, or or not, and in the end, you know what you get? You get beer. Yeah, you don't get a, <laughs> a, a half of a birdhouse because you half-assed it. Right. You still get beer. You still get beer exactly. And, and you have to the do aroma pretty, is terrific. You have to do pretty bad 
to get something yeah, that's to, not, that's yeah, not yeah. yeah, I've been brewing. I don't know how long I've been brewing, but I've, I think I've only thrown one batch actually pouring down the sink. Yeah, but the aroma is actually pretty it's true. really good. <laughs> it's, and this this is mostly due to the, I, now I did add some commercial hops, just a little, to make yeah. sure that we had enough bitterness. But right, but to have the, the aroma, end. yeah, the front end aroma is from Longinus's backyard. Yeah, my, yeah, it's and it's, it's cloudy, which I'm not too thrilled about. I think the cloudiness is probably from the the um, Backyard hops, to tell you the truth. Oh, maybe. Yeah. 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 But so, the, yeah. the flavor and ba- the aroma. The Baltimore City soil. Who uh-huh. knows what's in that? Ah. It's like a, <laughs> it's like a slightly we, jacked up pale ale. Right. I mean, I don't think we took any numbers on it. We don't know what no. it is, but I don't know. I don't tastes know. Like just, a, just a chaotic beer. Tastes like a fiver. Yeah. Yeah. Sixer. Right. Very good. So, one thing that we've discovered recently is that there are a lot of things that everybody knows? Everybody knows that's that are BS. It's part of right. It's 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 part of our common culture. Everybody that we knows. all agrees. So when when somebody says, you know, the bystander effect, you're like, yeah, right. We're all familiar with yeah. those kinds of things, right? And a lot of times it turns out that it's based on a small study that was not well designed and has been not been replicated, and but but still is in all the psychology books and. Right. Everybody thinks that it's true, but maybe it really isn't. And, beca- and because, the, but the problem is, sadly, we want it to be true in some strange way. It, I don't think I don't think it would catch fire in the same way. It would go viral, as they say in the 1970s. Yeah, uh, that the bystander effect. Somehow, people found it appealing enough. That it went viral. So what you had, well, we'll get we'll, we'll get into the actual e- event. But what you had was a misreading of the event, and then after people liked it so much yeah. that everybody copied and pasted. Before you could copy and paste, they reported on the report. Rather, uh, they, uh, yes, they reported on the report rather than reporting on the actual event. So like they so one person mischaracterizes the event and everybody loves the idea so much that they report on that reporting. I think sometimes there are there are trends going on in society where people are anxious about something. They're worried about something. And maybe nobody has identified it. Like maybe nobody yeah. has maybe nobody has said everybody is anxious about this particular thing. Yes. And then okay, for example, after World War II People are wondering, how in the heck could the Nazis have done what they did? How could people have gone? Oh, well, that, wait, hold, wait, hang on to that one. That's our, yeah. that's our that, that's Stanford our, that's our, experiment. Right. But, but the idea is, people are nervous about something. They're they're feeling some angst, and then some weird thing. All right, so let's look at this weird comes, thing. Let's look at let's maybe let's look at that. Kitty Genovese in New York in 1964. She's yeah. 28 years old. Okay, right. And then we can examine what Kitty what Genovese. Did, did, did she come up earlier? She was the woman by the side of the road that you rode right by. <laughs> I know. She needed. She really needed she, my she help. She needed your help. And, and you I just, just kept on driving. By. Gosh, Pigweed, come on. Yeah, so, uh, so rape and murder of, of, of 28-year-old Kitty Genovese. And the reporting is that 38 people saw or heard the attack, but none of them intervened to help. This shocked the nation and got everyone talking about bystander Apathy. Right. Okay, so this idea that once you get a certain number of, of people 
Wait, one person seeing one person injured, of course they're going to jump into action. Mm-hmm. So this this nervousness that you might be talking about, yeah. maybe it has to do with the density of cities and the impersonalist the, the impersonalization of cities that you're actually in a way more alone in a city than you are in a sparsely populated countryside. People people think that and say that, although when you look at actual events in big cities, yeah. you know, 9-11 and things like that, people dash into they, help. They dash into, into yeah. other people's aid. So right. the idea was that nobody came to that. The old, the, 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 hey, somebody else, there's lots of us around Somebody here. else will call. It's not my problem. Not my monkeys, not my circus. Somebody else will take care of it. Yes. Uh, that, that's... Simply not at all how it went. No, you I, look but, back. You look back at the evidence, and you're like, no. So, so, so let's stop for just a moment yeah. here. The original interpretation was there were all these people who knew this was going on, but they She's didn't being help. raped and murdered, and yeah. thirty eight people are staring out their windows, and thinking like, to themselves, uh, somebody else will take somebody care of else it. will take care yeah. of it. So why, and that caught fire. That did catch fire. Why would that catch fire? Yeah. What What was it about? You know, things catch fire because they they appeal at some basic level because yeah. they're somehow answering something that you're thinking or feeling, right? Mm-hmm. So why would that catch fire? Did it was it a question of we feel as if we don't know our neighbors anymore? We're no longer connected one to one another. We're, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. There's some zeitgeist going exactly. on where people you're... are feeling like yeah. society is getting too uh, separated. And we, we're not, we're not, we don't even know who lives next door. So this was like an illustration or a way to say, look how bad it's become. It's so yes, bad. Yes. And that's a, just a dangerous, that's why it's called pop psychology and not real psychology. Yeah. This is the kind of thing that uh, makes great tabloid headlines and catches, uh, gets such momentum that the actual facts. What is it? A lie makes its way around the world uh, uh, twenty-five times before the truth can get its pants on. Like it's <laughs> okay. Something like that. Yeah. You're right. So, right. So once it becomes sort of this life of its own, who cares? Yeah. Who, who cares? Because becomes... every every editor's going. All right, Marsha, have we done us? Have we done the bystander effect yet? <laughs> Go. Yeah. Right, and she's going to just pick up somebody else's newspaper. It becomes. It becomes an. Like a, a living, breathing avatar of the angst that the society is feeling at that moment. It's a weird thing. But the truth of the matter is, once people started digging into the story, it, it, it really was a bunch of BS. There, yeah. there weren't 38 people. No, there were four, and they did call. Yeah. Only, uh, only a few people had, uh, only a few people had seen or heard anything, few thought it was an attack. And three people did render assistance to Genevieve, tragically too late. Yes. Uh, but, you know, that doesn't square at all with the 38 and the who cares and the thing. Yes. But it's now that, but, but at this point, then once you even find out that it was all BS, it's too late because the term bystander effect is already in yeah. the cult of the well, culture. Well, it's, it's kind of like the problem with a newspaper is the lie is on page one and the correction is on page three uh, B? You know. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Right. So they they how so how about the social uh, psychologists who did their own versions of that without the rapes and the murders, right. but just you know, yeah. are people more inclined to 
you know, what was it, the, the, the smoke in the room? Yeah, so there are test. various ways you can try to figure out what's going on with this sort of thing. And people would try to design an experiment to say, how can I find out whether someone is going to assume that somebody else is going to report the problem yeah. or that they should report the problem? Yeah. And one, one experiment, which is kind of interesting, is they'd put, let's say they put 20 people in a room, and 19 of them are plants. Yeah. They're actors. Right. Only and one person is being only studied. Only one person is being studied, right? So you're all sitting in this room, uh, filling out a form, taking a test, whatever it is, and all of a sudden this black smoke starts coming in through the vents. And the 19 people are have been prepped. <laughs> yeah, right. Just, just do, 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 do. Yeah. Okay, whatever. That's just normal. Yeah. And they, they don't do anything. And the one person who's being studied, is that person going to go um, report it and say, hey, wait a minute, we got a fire here, right? And what often happens is that one person doesn't do anything. Yeah, but I mean, I don't think it confirms what you would call the bystander effect. It is an interesting study. Yes. Uh, I like it. Uh, but, and I also, in a way, kind of get it, right? Uh, so the person's going, uh, everybody else, I guess they must know something about this that I don't know. Yeah. Nobody else feels that we're in danger. Why, you know, why should I? I'm not sure if that represents some sort of flaw in human nature. Yeah. That fact, right? Well, so what this reminds me of are, are those studies where you have somebody put a, a drawing up on a, a whiteboard in front. You have a class and you have 20 people in the class. Mm -hmm. And you put up two lines on the board that are clearly not parallel. You know, they're, okay. they're, they're clearly not parallel. It's very obvious they're not parallel. And... The, the instructor asks, number one, are, are these two lines parallel? Yes. Number two, are these lines parallel? Mm -hmm. Yes. And these are all plants. Yeah. And then you finally get to the person who's being studied. Are these lines parallel? Yes. They, they are. Even, yeah. though, even though they can see very plainly, they know for certain that they're lying. Right. But for some reason, people go along with the group. Right. And they say, uh, you know, I'm not willing to be the one person in this whole... It's, it's like... The emperor's new clothes. You know, I'm not going to be the one guy who says... Right. But I think that Kitty Genevieve's story reveals... Uh, supposed to reveal some callousness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Where what you're talking about it's is... cowardice. Uh, yeah. Well, maybe. Yeah, maybe or, or just, you know, is it worth... Maybe I'm wrong. You know, it's Maybe uncomfortable, I'm wrong. Yeah. uncomfortableness so or something like that. So, so the, the the bystander effect, when in terms of coming to the aid of an injured person, mm -hmm. that reveals something very different than the unwillingness to go against the flow of the crowd. Because yes. what are the consequences? Yes, here? and actually, there are some there are some strong evolutionary reasons why someone would not want to go against the crowd. Because because yeah. the point. truth of the matter the truth of the matter is we cannot exist. As individuals yep. living out in the wild, you know, we, we rely upon societies, communities, we rely upon other people. We have to be living in a community. We have to be cooperative. We have to get along with other people. So there's a very strong evolutionary bias mm -hmm. for going with the flow, going with the crowd, yeah. right? So these situations that where they try to isolate somebody and say, you're the only person who's saying, you know, uh, Dr. Luther, are you alone wise? You know, right? <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, 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 it's a, it's a strong argument. Yeah. That there, right. there's right. a point to say, well, you're not the only person with a brain here, right? 
Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, for the most part, the, the bystander effect is kind of a good thing, right? Yes. I mean, it, it's important for social cohesion, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so, uh, yes, do, do not... The, the Kitty Genevieve's bystander effect thing was never a thing. Right. There are elements of that that go along, but yeah. guess what? When somebody when somebody needs help, trust me, your fellow man who doesn't know anything about you will come to your aid. Very likely. Very, not, not, very not 100%, likely. Not hundred percent, but it's very, very likely that somebody's going to kind of going to come along and help. Yes. 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 Okay. So the Stanford prison experiment. Oh my gosh. Yes. God, this was really aggravating it because. Was, yeah. This is this thing's got fifty year legs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This guy probably in every psychology textbook. Every psychology textbook. Who's our who's, who's our guy? Uh, uh, Zimbardo. Yeah. Doctor Zimbardo became famous and has been riding this way for fifty years and probably is still in textbooks. Yeah. About the famous ass Stanford. Prison experiment where they took a bunch of, of college kids, I yeah. think, yeah, and randomly assigned some of them to be guards. Yeah, to give, give, give us, give us, the, give me the 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 nicest version that you can, and then we'll pick it apart. Okay, so the so the nicest version is they took a bunch of random people and they said, okay, you guys are going to be guards and you guys are going to be prisoners. Yes, and we're going to put you in this scenario where you have to kind of act out being guards and being prisoners. And what happens is, even though they were all just the same when they, just when they came middle in, class college yeah, kids, yeah, just just bunch of kids, and they go in. But once they get assigned to be guards and prisoners, the guards become abusive. They start, you know, hurting the prisoners. They start abusing them. They start yeah. putting he- hoods on them. They start, you know, depriving, depriving, them, depriving of them of things. They they don't let them go to the bathroom. You know, they do all they all all these nasty things. And at the same time. Basically, both groups, the guards and the prisoners, assume this this identity, and the prisoners start to become compliant. They start to, you know, and on not... day on day two, the guards become abusive. Yes, and and so so why is this? Because here uh, uh, I'm I'm an apologist for, for Philip Zimbardo, Zimbardo right yeah. now. Why? Because once you take away the names of the people, mm-hmm. the names of the guards, you're a number. Uh, once you have you have, and in, if any case where there's a power structure difference, mm-hmm. you have both anonymity and you have uh, lack of culpability. Yeah. The the inevitable result is evil. Yeah. The nicest kid in your econ class, if he is given this set of circumstances, you know what he's going to do? He's going to abuse it and take advantage of it and abuse other students. Right. So, and that's the result they got. Mm-hmm. And when they got that result, he became famous and it's been used from, for 50 years for, uh, in courtrooms, in, uh, in every textbook. It's been used in congressional hearings. It has been used so recently as to explain Abu Ghraib, Grabe, yeah. in, you know, misuse of mis, mistreatment of, of, of prisoners in, in in Iraq. This guy has been riding this thing for fifty years. And, and the problem, wh- whether or not the conclusion is true, the conclusion being that people with power will abuse it, 
that's one one possible conclusion, right? Leaving aside the conclusion for a minute, let's just talk about the study. Yeah. And wh- this, whether it was, whether into, it was done the, well. Yes. Yeah. So the, the, what you're expected to believe is that these people weren't primed, they weren't coached, yeah. they were just asked to, okay, you're going to be the guards and you're going to be the prisoners. In a, di- in, in, in a situation which allows mankind to be evil, they will become evil. Yes. And, okay, I might believe that. But but that's, what what's actually going on here is they were being coached. Yeah. For, for, for one thing, it was in the 70s, and there was a lot of news coverage about what was going on in prisons in I Vietnam. I think Attica and, was yeah. right about that time, yeah. right? So there were prison uprisings. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, 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 my guy Zimbardo already had in mind that this was going to, that, that he was going to use this study to address prison reform. Yes. And so there the was problem, an agenda. The, pro- the problem, yes, yes, the problem is, the, is high, being too in love with your hypothesis. And I think he was actually... Which is part, a problem with all studies. Yeah, he was part of the... Which, there's this thing called the method of multiple hypotheses. Okay. Where if you want to get some distance, some emotional distance from your results, rather than having one thing I'm trying to prove, come up with multiple possible answers. Okay. And then, I like that. Yeah. And then say, you know, maybe... Uh, here's what I'm testing. I could get answers one through five. That way, you're not so in love with your. That's very answer. good because yeah. you, you, it's 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 equally valuable to disprove your yes. hypothesis, but it's just not sexy or fun as the person who's yeah. who's just got a grant to run this test yeah. to say, and the results are not Sorry, yeah, do not support yeah. the hypothesis. Well, but, what do you? So how, how how great of an article are you going to write for that? So yeah. you tend to be in love with your. Well, that's that's another confirmation bias, or I'm. I'm it's not, confirmation bias is the wrong word, but people don't want to. Uh, people don't want to have a uh, an article in their journal that says this didn't happen. If you have multiple hypotheses, then you're not going to be so in love with your one. And the problem in this case is Doctor Zimbardo pretty much seemed to be in love with this hypothesis to the point that he put himself in the experiment. Yes. So first off, the, 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 let's, let's run down the, the problems with this. First off. You don't tell people what the experiment is before they even sign up. Right. So you've already said that this is going to be a prison environment study. So you've already had a certain self-selected group yeah. who is willing to step into a prison environment. And they have all their expectations and all their right. biases. Then, you're given, then they're, they're given specific roles. Well, now everybody's got – there's a there was a big, you know, negative, you know, Poor, poor, you know, poor prisoners being abused and poor abusive, uh, and then abusive prison guards. So once you've been assigned a prison guard, that's going to mean, you know, that's going to bring in all kinds of right. expectations. So, okay, here, here we are. We're in, a, we're in a cultural environment where there are all these stories about abusive prisons. Yeah. Okay. And then I go to you and say, hey, I would like you to play the part of a prison guard. Now, what do you have in your head about what does a prison guard do? Right. Well, he's abusive. Right. Right. That's, but that's not enough for him. That's not enough. He actually then coaches the abuse. Yes. So it's not enough that you're already bringing that with you yes. to a to a study which is clearly biased. Then you're egged on. Yes. And they and they give them specific ideas about the way guards abuse prisoners. 
based on like somebody's experience in some section of a jail in Spain or something like that. Yeah, yeah. like putting hoods over their head. Yeah, no, 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 they're, they're, no. They 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 did. They had a consultant who had been in Folsom Prison, and so he said, "This is these are some of the bad things that were done to me when I was there." <laughs> Here's some suggestions, right? So the idea, so this idea that just some normal kid going to college is going to come up with this all on his own, yeah, is is what uh, Philip Gagard de Zimbardo is suggesting in his conclusions. Yeah. Okay. Now Johnny Cash is going to be playing in the background. <laughs> 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 Good old Folsom Prison. Thanks for joining us for Beer and Conversation with Pigweed and Crow Hill, where you'll find lighthearted chats and deep dives. We hope you enjoy our beer reviews and banter. After which we cover everything from Tolstoy to Thomas Sowell. From God to the Green New Deal. From UFOs to UBI. From Ted Cruz to time travel. From home brewing to homeschooling. From transcendentalism to trans madness. You can reach us with your question or comment at pigweedshow at gmail.com. Yeah, so there there are a lot of problems with the study, and one of the things that has been consistent for me in all the things we're going to talk about today, we were looking at these, what I don't like about this, somebody does one study, and everybody jumps to this conclusion, boy, that study is right. Yeah. Why, why didn't somebody try to replicate this? Yeah. You know, and this that's supposed to be the essence of science is replication, right? You have you have certain methods, you have ways of doing things, and you have somebody else try it to see if it's true. But that doesn't seem to happen very frequently in these sorts of behavioral psychological studies. Somebody does one experiment, and all of a sudden, wow, that's the way it is. Right. Well, it's like we said, it's it's the nature of popular psychology. That uh, tabloid results, they catch fire and they get more legs. You know, there are, you know, there probably were a bunch of people out there <laughs> screaming in the wilderness. Yeah, bad study, bad, right? And yeah. you know, you can't get above the noise. Yeah, it just, it just became, it caught on. It, it went viral, and you know, in the way we would. <laughs> and about yes, things, that's a, that's we what we would call it today. now. But yes, but in. The, some but regard. it still has, but it still hasn't run its course. It's, it's still, it's probably still in textbooks. Yes. It's still understood as well, being a valuable. That is thing. a huge is, problem. A huge problem is once something becomes, the, the guy is still getting, you know, so famous for his famous study. Okay, so imagine how this works. Some guy does this study. All of a sudden, it catches on. It becomes popular. It's in all the newspaper articles. People are talking about it at conferences, whatever. It gets into textbooks. Now it's in textbooks, so it just gets repeated. Somebody's writing the next textbook, yeah, and they're like, "Well, this textbook said right. that." Right now, now it's it's just it's just part of the culture, yeah. And so that all you have to do, nobody's discussing it anymore. Yeah. All you have to do is make reference to it, and the other person goes, "Oh, you mean the Stanford prison thing?" Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Everybody, we, we, all, yeah, yeah, we, we sure. go ahead, continue. Yeah. We know what we're talking about we here. Know, we yeah. That's how people are, yeah. because the famous, you know, thing. thing, thing. 50 ne- years ago. Ne- never mind that it's been debunked many times in different places, but it's still in the textbooks and everybody. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was a pretty bad one. All right. What else we got? Uh, yes. So the other one that uh, I, I feel like fits into the same is the Milgram study. Right. And this is the famous Yale study 
which tests how far a person would be willing to inflict pain on another person when there is... I think the important thing is the authoritative figure yeah. telling them that it's that's what okay, they need to do. What, and what this was was a response to the claim by... Uh, Nazis saying, I was just following orders. Yes, so and this is right on the tail of the Nuremberg trials, yeah. the Adolf Eichmann trials going, I mean... Orders are orders. Orders are orders. Yeah. So the idea is, to what extent yeah. does the person following orders have uh, moral culpability in what they do? And it's a very important question. Oh, it's because so, and it's so difficult because why, are, you, are you really going to have... Is every private allowed to challenge when he when the, when the officer says we're going to charge that hill? Yeah, well, wait a minute, I don't want to charge that. Wait hill. a yeah. minute, right. I'm not an automaton who's right. told what to do. Well, that's not how it works, right? So, but, the, so where 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 do you, yes, where, where, do you where, stop? where are you going to draw the line? It is a very very hard question and a very legit question. But what's going on in this case is they're trying to say they're, he's trying to show that anyone put in a position where an authority figure is asking them to do some evil thing would would do that evil thing. And the way the experiment was run is you had, it was as if, it's a, like a new teaching method. The teaching method is, I try to teach you this thing, and if you get it wrong, I give you an electric shock. And the idea is, if you use this electric shock as, no, that was wrong, that somehow they'll be incentivized to do better. So, like, they'd ask, they'd ask, say a word, and another person is supposed to say some other word. If you say the wrong word, sorry, you get an electric shock. Right, it's sort of like, rather than you get patted on the back for every right answer, there are consequences to every wrong answer, right. and which is the best way to learn. Yeah. Right? So, That's the sort so, of the... so you have a couple of actors here. One actor is the authority figure in the white coat telling you, I, I need you to run this experiment. The other actor is the person who so is being the, tested so you, upon. So you have the experimenter, the teacher, and the learner. Exactly. So the teacher is the person who is saying, I say this word, you say that other word. If you get it wrong, zap. Right? Right. But the experimenter and the learner are both actors. Yes. And the learner is like, oh, stop it, stop it, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, oh, sorry, so, all right. so there's, the, there, there's the first level low voltage. Yeah. Just, just and, something oh, not, uncomfortable. not that bad. I don't like that. But then it cranks up and it cranks up and it cranks up. And now what's, I mean, they're not I mean, actually. It's, I mean, they, they say that, so the range originally, originally the 15 increment volts that from 15 to 450 volts. I'm not, I've never been shocked by 450, but no. it sounds like a lot. I've been shocked by 120 <laughs> and I didn't like it. So <laughs> four times. <laughs> yeah, so I really don't want to be shocked by 450, but. What's going on is the the so-called teacher is asked to progressively increase the penalty when the learner gets it wrong, right. and and they're being encouraged and and okay, it's all fine, this is all good okay. by, yeah, this by is, the expert. So this is important. The 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 so the experimenter. So so uh, Julie is the teacher. Right, and so when Julie gets to seventy-five volts and hears Tyler groan, she says, "You know, no, that, that's this is not in the original experiment, though." No, 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 no. But these, 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 the, so the answers are mm -hmm. 
consistent. That, mm-hmm. that, that, the, this is what you say in the four t- in the four times with each time that somebody. Okay. Uh, what what the experimenter says. What the experimenter right? He has a yeah. script. Yes. That each time they they object. Yeah. He says, uh, "Please continue." Right. Julie says, uh, "You know, I don't really think I want to." It's absolutely imperative that you continue. And Julie's like, uh, imperative? Uh, you know, I don't, I'm not, I'm not okay with that. You have no other choice. Yeah. So this is the, the right? This, this is the experimenter the escalation going. escalation of the uh, I need pressure. you con- to continue to the end of the test. So this is the script that he has to, as the authority figure putting pressure on the person. So, which is important in this, uh, in, in this test because it's not like if there isn't the experimenter is not in the room and you're just expecting the person to do it on their own, they don't near they don't go nearly as far. Right. Uh, but when the you pressure, have the when pressure the, from the yeah. The it, pressure and 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 almost bullying of the authority figure yeah. who in the first case, you know, you're at a Yale study, these people know what they're doing, <clears throat> you you feel like <laughs> you're contributing to some greater good, like we're, something valuable is going to be learned here, right? So you've been coached into all of this. Uh, the question is, do you know, ha, is this applicable to the to the Nazi situation? Right. Or isn't it? Right. Yeah, so this is, it's a difficult case. And let's, let's, well, first of all, let's talk about the experiment itself and efforts to replicate the experiment, right? Because we talked before about the Stanford prison experiment and how the, it was just like this one experiment and it was, nobody ever tried it again. This particular one actually has been tried again. So this is, this is 2010. And so, well, we are, well, the, to, well the original look, experiment was uh, like 1970. Seven, or even earlier than that, like 60, 61. And then actually he did it in a number of locate, like for a few years, you know, yeah. because now, now it's become so yeah. super popular. And but, but nowadays such a study would never be approved by the ethics board at a university. Like if some, some psychology professor said, I want to try to redo this experiment, they would say, no way. Well, I don't know, but, well, but, uh, Michael Shermer and the, in the cast at Dateline NBC did it in 2010. Yes. But, and the reason they did it was because they weren't going through the ethics boards at a university. Right. They were doing it. In, what they said was, look, Look at all the crazy crap that goes on in uh, these reality TV shows. I, I agree. How is this ever any worse? I, I, I agree. I think the, the problem with the original study is that there was this suggestion that everyone was fully debriefed about the whole thing. Come to find out, they weren't. A lot of people were just sent home thinking that they had spent the afternoon killing almost killing somebody. Yeah. But I think... I think they're. I think they're right. I think this is particularly particularly unethical. Uh, you know what Michael Shermer did. Yeah. So, so Michael, Michael Shermer, Shermer he, went he was, fully he, debriefing. Yeah, and it was not a university approved study. What they did was they did it as a, like a TV show and st- as a you know with a with a production company. Right, and so and, you, and then as so as the person there, but they're still they're still feeling the they're feeling the weight of authority. Yes. Right. I mean, so in one case it's it's Yale University, in this case it's NBC Studios and yeah. a bunch of professors and stuff, and so you know I guess I better do my best here. And it was an uh, attempt to redo the Milgram experiment in a, in a slightly different environment, 
And what we just read to you, the the Julie, yeah, was was from Shermer's redo. But what he found was he got different results. He didn't find that everybody was willing to go all the way up to, you know, like life threatening uh, shocks. But <laughs> some were. But more, but more than you, more, more than, still more than you would expect because yes. the original thing was like maybe one percent, and the it was like sixty five percent. I don't know what Shermer came up with later on. They're going, you know, I think that uh, you know the the, the forty years since then. Mm-hmm. There's a sort of a change, but you know what? People are still pretty willing to to shock other people. Well, there, there is there is an interesting question raised by this about just the generational change. Like, yeah. were are people are people in 1960 versus people in 1920 versus people in 2020? Yeah, are, do they all have the same attitude towards authority? I think a little bit. I, mean, I, th- I think there's. I think we're a little bit more compassionate. I think we're a little bit less inclined to, to believe authority. To authority, yes. and, yeah. you know, and and that would make sense. That you know, of course, not individually, but you know, sort of generationally, something would be like that. But I think one of the things is: was there something particular? Oh no! I think I might be referring to the Stanford prison thing. Was there something particular about Germans? Mm. Yes, that are, that, are, that are more prone to uh, going along with authority, uh, or is that just a human trait? So I guess what my answer to that would be: it's possible that in 1939, yeah, there was something about Germans that made them more prone to go along with authority. But I wouldn't say that that was about Germans. I would just say that that was about that situation. What I would say is probably... If you're going... If you're experiencing a crushing depression yeah. and then an authoritative figure comes along and, and lifts you out of that, yes. then maybe you're more inclined to get on board with exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. So, so uh, Jonathan Haidt, who we've talked about in some other... Uh, podcast yeah has taught one of his moral foundations is authority versus subversion okay, okay. and we we know from a lot of height studies that this that. this whole idea of how much how people react to authority can depend can vary from place to place and it can vary from time to time so it's it's very likely that in some areas of the world at certain times, people are more likely to respect authority. And in other areas mm-hmm. at other times, people are more likely to disrespect authority. Right. So I think the idea of the idea of trying to say these people at these times who reacted this way to authority, that therefore means all humans are that way. Well, I'm, that's a good point. Yes, that, right. That is, that, that this study tells us about human nature broadly. Right. Yeah, might might be not. it might be, too might, much. be too much. might be too much. And so I think what's going on in this experiment is we know that it's true that ordinary people mm-hmm. and I use that phrase intentionally. Yes, you do. Can, can yeah. become monsters. There's this famous book uh, called Ordinary People about ordinary a bunch men. of ordinary sorry, ordinary men who were just like guy, regular guys in Poland. Who were recruited into this group to go around and kill Jews, basically. Yeah. And they did absolutely horrible things, but it was like step by step by step. And the the important thing about that 
was that not no well there was in Poland but they were Germans yeah but they were the, all the young men were at the front these were middle aged men who did not grow up under Nazis uh, right right who who who's form these you can, you can understand the twenty year olds whose formative years came from a life of growing up in Nazism yeah. all they remember all they experience is that these are old men who were already grown men before before uh, uh, Hitler came along. And yet, uh, they were able to get them to do these despicable things, and it really had more to do with a sense of not letting your guys down. Like, if I don't participate in this, that just puts more burden on my guys. Yeah. And it's kind, uh, it's kind of it's like you, you can you can imagine a scenario. Yeah. Where somebody thinks, okay, this horrible thing has to be done. Yeah. If I don't do it, then my buddy's going to have to do it. Yeah. Or if I don't do it, then my son's going to have to do it or something like that. And you can see how somebody yeah, can be led look. into that sort of, you know, I'm going to have to be the, the guy who steps up and does the hideous thing in order to relieve that pressure from these other people. But what yeah. the bottom line is, these people were transformed from ordinary guys into... These despicable monsters who are going around, yeah, killing people in cold blood. Yeah, but but it also shows that it's really, you know, with enough. You see, these people can hear the fake actor scream, writhing in pain because he got a multiple, <laughs> a multiple choice question wrong. Yeah, and you're and going, they still do. and you did it anyway. Yeah, and felt horrible about it. Yeah. But for and then reflecting back, it's like. Yeah, I mean, but that was the expectation of the people that were in charge, and they were, were trying to do this experiment that's going to solve some thing. And, and wow, you know, that, I, so I feel like uh, this one really does reveal a little bit of something about uh, authoritative conversion, uh, coercion. Yeah, uh, I think the Stanford is Huey. Yeah. And the uh, Kitty Genevieve's bystander effect is barely in effect. Now you've you've heard about the replication problem in psychology. That, that recently there are a lot of influential studies in psychology mm. that, that have been around for decades. Mm. That, that all, well, we every got psychology, three of them here. We, we go got ahead. three of them here. But there are, there are a lot more. Yeah. And if if you are curious about this, just go to a search engine and type in. Replication crisis in psychology. Oh, really? Yes. There, there is a huge problem with very influential studies that have been around for decades. Yeah, decades. Turn... I mean, it, it, it influences how it influences how we think about ourselves. It influences, like I said, like I said about this other the, the other one, court cases, uh, congressional hearings, based on a crappy study. It's yes. not. That's not even valid. Right. Yes, and and that becomes a snowballing thing. Yes, and and. Finally, we're waking up to this problem, and oh, people good. are starting to go in and saying, how, how can we solve this problem? Because science is supposed to be, you know, if, if I'm measuring gravity yeah, over yeah, here, yeah. and you're measuring gravity over there, we should get the same kind of results, yeah. you know? And unfortunately, a lot of these things don't get uh, tested. Yeah. All right, what do you got? So I was, uh, yeah, so I would say whenever you, you know, have that feeling that, well, you know, we all know this thing to be true. Yeah. Yeah. Might want to think about it for a second. And go, yes. Do we always? Do we really know? Do that? we really yeah. know? Has it has it actually been tested? Yeah. Yeah. It's a good question. So, but we do have a, a general. Generally, our letters to the uh, to the 
or fan letters yes. do not reflect the topic. Yeah. But sometimes they do. What, what, what do we have here? So, oh gosh, blonde nerd again? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I yes. know. She, she must be one of our uh, one of our best listeners, yeah. I guess. Yeah, and and uh, she says, "Thank you for taking my suggestion and doing a show on the origins of common phrases." Oh, that I was like a that. Fun, one. That was a fun. I show. like that one. I know that was really good. If you haven't listened to that one, go back and listen. However, you missed my favorite: the rule of thumb. Oh, she's so right. Go ahead. Okay, it's unique in that many people think they know the origin of the phrase, but they're wrong. Are you guys familiar with this one? And actually, I and have we heard about this one. Or familiar with this one, and I can't believe we didn't bring it up. Because yeah. thank you for a, doing so. It's because a funny it one. is yeah. a good one. Because the point of the show was that people generally have no idea what the origins are. Yes, you and, say something, and then here's the opposite. Here's yes. one that yes. every that well, not everybody, but many people think they know the origin of it. And so, what is the origin of the rule of thumb that uh, is in popular culture? Okay, the popular culture understanding of the rule of thumb. Is that back in the hideous old days when, uh, <laughs> when people were hideous? When people, <laughs> yes, and the people patriarchy was the patriarchy everywhere. was everywhere. <laughs> that that a man could beat a woman <laughs> with a stick. Or his wife, his not just anyone. Oh, no, not just anyone. Not just anyone. No, of course. Yeah. Of a course man not. could a man could beat your his wife, wife with a stick. So long as it wasn't bigger than his thumb. <laughs> yes, that, that is the that is yes. the rule. I, uh, yeah. I I'm not sure. Uh, how long I, I walked around with that one before I heard the hooey yes. on that. But I think that it's fairly common in it's, terms it's of scary. it's like uh, of all of the of all of the stories that we of all of the common phrases yeah. that we gave the origins to, I think most people did not know do not know the origins of those common phrases. This one I would say would probably what the Maybe a lot of people do know this one. Yeah. yeah. But, and, and, and even though I don't think that's what rule of thumb means, there is some evidence to support that interpretation. All right. There have been court cases where judges have ruled sort of along these lines. Okay. But, but, but it was never stick and thumb. It was, it was, it was a sort of, Legitimacy towards mild violence. Yes, yes. There, there was this, there was this idea that a, that a husband could correct his wife, yeah. you know, up to a certain point without. But but yeah. there actually what's wrong were, with that? What's wrong with that? Oh, dude, okay, we're, you're gonna edit that, 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 that out. <laughs> we're not gonna talk about that. So the uh, there, there have been <laughs> court cases. Miss Pigmy is listening. Is she? I don't know. Yeah, gosh, I mean, look in the studio audience back there. <laughs> so the there there have been court cases that seem to go along with this interpretation. So somebody who's promoting this interpretation, it's not like they're basing it on absolutely nothing. Yeah. Okay. There there are some indications that go along with that idea. But the specific but, reference. Yes. To oh, for one thing, there was nothing ever there was thumb. never never anything in English common law. That's that's not true. Yeah. Um and even though there are some indications in some places of something kind of like this, it's really not very likely. The more common explanation, the more reasonable explanation, is it just has to do with you're you're doing construction on a site and you're using your thumb like to decide like here's an inch, here, my my thumb is yeah, an inch. Yeah, you know? right. Not, not everybody has tape measures. Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. In, and in the, the 1600s. The, the point of a rule of thumb is it's kind of 
it's not exactly, it's not precise, but it's kind of good enough. But right, we've got a general idea, you know what I yeah. mean? Like, uh, you know, not everybody's thumb is the same size, yes. but I'm talking about, you know, give me about uh, four thumbs of <laughs> a brick, or how about, whatever how about it is. The way, the way you pour a scotch, you know, is it one finger or two fingers? <laughs> yeah. Not everybody's finger is the same. But you know, we so get it's, it. It's a rule of it's thumb. It's a general yes, rule. Yes. So, the the even though I I concede that there have been some examples historically where you can kind of get towards this rule of thumb as did you know beating somebody with a stick which is awful um it's it's really not the the origin of the phrase no the, the origin of the phrase has more to do with it is not it's just thumbs and <laughs> it's just it's just thumbs but like our to- uh, like our topic there are some uh conclusions yeah that we find so delicious yes. that we don't really care if they're true or not. And it's that's, just, that's one Unfortunately, thing, yeah. they're all negative. Why can't we, why can't we have some conclusions about the greatness of, the, the, the kindness of man and then that catches fire? It's always the negative. I, I don't know that it's always the negative, but you're, you're right that there is certainly a bias towards Ooh, the dark side. The dark side. Yeah. Yes. There's, there's a lot of, <laughs> when, when something comes out to say, Gosh, this is why I'm bad. This is why, this Mary, is, this you know, is why, yeah, human beings are so are awful. so wicked and terrible, and you know, and and human beings are, can be wicked this and terrible, they but they can, can also be, be very kind yeah. and good. Yeah. All right, very good. All right, fantastic. Good Thank show. you, uh, blonde nerd. Thank you, blonde nerd. If you like beer and conversation with pigweed and crowhill, please like it, share it, give us a good review, post it to Facebook, all that good stuff. Thank you so much. Thank you.